Welcome to Just Curious Media. This is Let's Talk Cobra Kai. I'm Jason Connell. And I'm Sal Rodriguez. All right, Sal. We are back for a really special, special episode. This one is very special. I'm very excited about this one. I've been looking forward to it all day because I found out some stuff. I mean, there were some jaw-dropping moments when I researched this episode. Yes, and we are going to do a deep dive into the filmography of one Robert Mark Kamen. Oh, so exciting. And you know what, Jason? Exciting and long overdue. Absolutely. Yeah, you had recently brought it up, and it was in my mind like, yeah, you know, Kamen, we love him and we know his work, but he probably doesn't get enough credit even for Cobra Kai. I mean, it all started here with Kamen. And if you don't know this already... Robert Mark Kamen wrote The Karate Kid. Oh, yes. Yeah. He's he put the, it all in motion. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to him. We would not be here today were it not for him. Exactly. I mean, we might be doing a different podcast, but we well, wouldn't be uh, doing Let's oh, Talk yeah, Cobra yeah. Kai. No, no. We would be doing a different podcast, but uh, I know my life would be different because my life has <laughs> taken a turn as a result of Cobra Kai. So were there no Robert Mark Kamen, were there no Karate Kid, my life would be in a, in a different place in a little bit of a different direction. That's a good point. I probably would not have gotten into martial arts. I oh. mean, maybe, but probably not. And then I sure as heck wouldn't have revisited martial arts when we started doing Let's Talk Cobra Kai. So... He definitely has a hand in my life, and oh, yes. I'm sure so many others. So yes. this is going to be fun. All right, so Sal, we're going to jump into the filmography, but before that, let's skip just the littlest background on Robert Mark Kamen. Mm-hmm. He was born in 1947. He grew up in the Bronx. Maybe he's a Yankees fan. We don't know. <laughs> yeah. The Bronx Bombers. He graduated from New York University in 1969 and then went on to receive a PhD in American Studies from the University of Pennsylvania, which is a pretty renowned school, I would say. Oh, sure. And then whenever I think of people being in college in 1969, holy cow, what was that like? It was just a whole different world then. Yeah, absolutely. And if we're ever lucky enough to get Mr. Kamen on the podcast, we can ask him all sorts of questions that we are not privy to tonight. Yeah, really what I want to know is, I want to know some psychedelic stories. Are, are there any, any Robert Mark Kamen psychedelia I'd love to learn about? Yeah. So Sal, Kamen's never actually directed a movie, but he's really just a renowned writer, essentially. Screenplays, and there may have been books. I don't know. I kind of was hoping there was a Karate Kid book, and not the book that they put out based on the movie, which I actually read, by the way. I read the Karate Kid book, you know, the studio puts them out, but it's almost like the screenplay, but in a different format. And in the book, as I said on our special episode of the Karate Kid, which I highly recommend anyone to listen to, I talked about how in that book, they end it with the beginning of the Karate Kid part two. Yeah. In the book. And I was like, whoa, what's Mm -hmm. this? I just saw the movie. This is not in there. And that scene would finally come to life a few years later. So weird how they did that. But I was kind of hoping there was a the Karate Kid book that the screenplay was based on. Like when I read the actual Peter Benchley novel Jaws, there's some different scenes. There's some different arcs. The story goes this way. Hooper has an affair with Brody's wife. Like, what? That's not in the movie. So, you know, those little nuggets that I almost wish there was a Karate Kid book that had other little side stories. Wouldn't that not be incredible? Sure. Well, that would almost be like a director's cut, right? But instead of writer's cut. Yeah. Well, the book. The book got trimmed down to create the screenplay that made the movie. You know, you can't usually fit the whole book into a screenplay. So, But that doesn't exist. And I'm getting ahead of myself. So... 
Robert Kamen, his first credit was on the film Taps, 1981 screenplay credit, directed by Harold Becker, who went on to make a great movie called Vision Quest. And the cast had George C. Scott, Timothy Hutton, Ronnie Cox, Sean Penn, and a super young Tom Cruise before Tom Cruise became a megastar. This is pre-Outsiders and obviously pre-Risky Business and Top Gun. Sal, I loved this movie growing up. Have you ever seen it? You know, I heard of Taps, I knew of Taps, but only saw the trailer just today and thought, I need to see this. I mean, it looks really neat. And George C. Scott, I love George C. Scott. You know, as a horror fan, he was fantastic in Exorcist 3. Yeah. He was great in Exorcist 3. So believe me, I definitely want to see Taps. Oh, Patton, hello. Yeah. So this is a little bit of Patton-esque. He's in charge of a military school. Yes. And all of a sudden, something happens to him, and so the kids lock it down because out of respect for their great leader. And so it's a really great story. Like Ronnie Cox is trying to get them to surrender, and Timothy Hutton is leading them, and Sean Penn is awesome in it as always. But I used to watch this on HBO all the time because it's like, wow, could this really happen? So it's a really great little film. And hey, credit to Cayman for writing it. Don't know what inspired it. I don't know if he has a military background or military school background or whatever, but hey, that's where it all began and a movie that I'm very uh, familiar with. And before this, he did sell a screenplay that was never produced, which will relate to one of his uh, cool trivia. That screenplay that was never produced has a huge effect on a very important part of Cayman's life today. Yeah, that is exactly true. So the next movie was Split Image, 1982, screenplay credit, directed by Ted Kotcheff. Now, he would go on to do First Blood, incredible movie, played it at the festival in New York one year, holds up wonderfully, led to the franchise, Rambo, First Blood Part Two. there was a Part Three, Part Four, And then, of course, Sal, what else did he make? Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, that was almost a trilogy. There was yeah. a sequel. Well, hey, hey, I saw it in the theater. It was a lot of fun. You know what? Weekend at Bernie's went meta, became a dance a few years ago. The Bernie. It actually became a hot internet dance. Now, this movie I didn't see, Sal. I didn't either. I didn't see it. It had Michael O'Keefe, Karen Allen, Peter Fonda. But hey, here comes Cayman, his second credit, and it's got big cast. And so, you know, he's a working screenwriter. And, of course, he's coming off the success of this, and this leads to what film? The Karate Kid. Oh, yes. He has written by credit. This launched it all, Sal, directed by John G. Alvaldson, rest in peace, who also did Rocky and also Rocky V and other movies, and composed by Bill Conti, which also did Rocky. And the cast, of course, really was Pat Morita was the heavy. He went on to be nominated for an Oscar, and then Ralph Macchio. And they were really the main stars in The Karate Kid. I just want to mention, just for the record, I find it quite interesting, the teamwork of John G. Avildsen and Robert Mark Kamen. Each of them directed by Avildsen, written by Kamen, each Karate Kid movie, Karate Kid, Karate Kid 2, Karate Kid 3. So I poked around, and there's actually not a lot of movies, aside from maybe The Godfather, the Coppola-Puzo team-up. Yep. There's not a lot of trilogies that have the same director-writer on them. That's actually kind of rare. I totally agree with you. I was going to say that as we get further down the list of the filmography, because you start doing sequels or trilogies, Quite often you see different directors or writers, and you're absolutely right, and the franchise moves on. So, yeah, it's a very good point. Also, throw in the mix Bill Conti, who worked on the original Karate Kid, 
part two and part three. So nice. put that in the mix. How many times do you have the director, writer, and composer? Maybe never. Very reminiscent of Tim Burton and Danny Elfman. You know, you find somebody you can collaborate with, you have success, and you just keep trying to replicate that. But Tim Burton never made a trilogy. Well, no, but I mean, when I think of Tim Burton oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and music, I think of Danny Elfman. Right. And when I think of Danny Elfman, I think of Tim Burton. So when I was researching this today, I found this nugget, which I love. And I just think, in spite of not finding a Karate Kid book, which doesn't exist, I found this. So the Karate Kid is actually semi-autobiographically based on Cayman's life. When he was 17, he was beaten up by a gang of bullies after the 1964 New York World's Fair. He thus began to study martial arts in order to defend himself. Now, Cayman was unhappy with his first teacher, Sensei, who taught martial arts as a tool for violence and revenge. So, sound familiar? Oh, yes, yes. He moved on to study Okinawan Goju-ru karate under a teacher who did not speak English, but he had been a student of Chajun Miyagi. You know what's very amazing? I mean, as I was reading this today and learning more about Mr. Cayman, I'm telling you, my jaw dropped, because this is where you start to get into those, holy cow, this is where the origins came from. Unbelievable. This is the folklore. So, Robert Mark Kamen based Kreese on his first sensei, and Miyagi on his second sensei. And there's the name. I mean, when he was probably trying to come up with a name, he thought, well, Miyagi, it's perfect. Yeah, he lived it. He was bullied. Then he was like, I'm going to learn karate. They get that Charles Atlas book. Remember that? Oh, like, yeah, I'm going to yeah, beef yeah. up and I'm going to, I'm not going to be picked on and yeah. someone's going to throw sand in my face. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he goes off and, but he doesn't just get strong. He seeks out martial arts. What even put that on his radar? What's out in the sixties that makes you think I'll do that? I mean, it would be years before Kung Fu with David Carradine was on the air that came sure. out in the seventies. So these are questions for Cayman himself. I don't know. I'm fascinated. So he goes off and finds a teacher and good for him for realizing it's not a good fit. You know, good yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. The first guy was too extreme, was all about violence. In fact, the way that he got his black belt was really weird because he earned his black belt under this first teacher, the crease type teacher. Right. And the way that he gave him his black belt is they went out and his teacher started a bar fight, literally oh, started man. a bar fight. And then left him. No, he made Cayman fight some guys like over a woman, a woman's attention. They got out to the parking lot and he gives him his black belt in the parking lot after this bar fight. So very unorthodox and definitely all about violence and even starting. I mean, they started a fight. So, oh. you know, that's not Miyagi-esque. That no is, mercy. Oh, yeah. Because one of the mottos of Goju Ryu Karate is there is no strike first. Yeah. So then if that's their motto, then the opposite of that, the antithesis of that would be strike first. Hello, Cobra Kai. I wish I knew the name of that dojo. That first one? Yeah. Yeah, we don't have a name. We have the teacher's name. You can research that. There is the teacher's name, that first guy. Apparently very six foot tall ex-military guy. There it was. It was all right there. Now, the story goes on from there. As a Hollywood screenwriter, so now, you know, this was in his youth, and now he's writing scripts, and Cayman was mentored by Frank Price, longtime Hollywood producer, writer, who told him that producer Jerry Weintraub, who I'm a huge fan of, Sal, read his autobiography, rest in peace, Mr. Weintraub, but an incredible producer. Sal, he worked with the Colonel and produced Elvis Presley concerts. He then worked with Old Blue Eyes and put some events together for Frank Sinatra and then produced movies like Ocean's Eleven and, of course, 
Jerry Weintraub was responsible for the Karate Kid trilogy. And he had optioned a news article about the young child of a single mother who earned a black belt to defend himself against neighborhood bullies. So I guess, you know, producers just option things. He probably read this article and said, yeah, I'll put an option on that. Paid somebody a fee. So Kamen then combined his own life story, which we just talked about, with this news article. And I don't know if this is with or without Weintraub's permission, because it's unclear. But he used both of them, kind of put them together to create the screenplay for The Karate Kid. Very interesting that a news article was part of this also, because I'm always reminded of, not to reference The Exorcist again, but The Exorcist was originally a news article. Yeah. There was an article in the paper about a boy uh, possessed, and then they took that, William Peter Blatty built on that, and now we have The Exorcist. So similar concept, and you have a news article, and then you blend it with real life situations, and boom, there's a story that we all know and love. So Sal, here we go. Third movie, and this thing is a massive hit, as you know. And so filmmaking in general is difficult, but to be a screenwriter, well, here's somebody who's got taps is played in the theaters, split image, I'm not sure, the box office, and now you have a hit on your hands, which immediately, as you know this, as we've talked about, Weintraub, they were already in production of the sequel only 10 days after the original was in the theaters. Oh, yeah. So Cayman was probably already writing two when they knew they had a hit with one. So, you know, he has work and we're only two years into the career. Yeah. You know what? I read some interviews with Cayman and he believes that he has had a great career. He's not one of those guys who, like the gist of Cayman was that he does believe that he kind of got lucky. Mm -hmm. He's had such a great career. He understands that it's not like that for everybody. It's not like that for all struggling writers. He's had it good and he acknowledges that. Yeah, right place, right time. Absolutely. He was the right guy. This story was about to break. America was probably, we were ready for a younger Rocky. It's kind of what the Karate Kid is. Yeah. But yet it also brought martial arts and the influence of that wonderful tradition. And there it was. It was right there. And the right guy with the right voice created the right characters. Had he had a different sensei? Had he had the wonderful sensei first, the one all about Zen and yeah. the Miyagi sensei first. Who knows? Maybe he's not the writer that puts this in the atmosphere for us all to enjoy. So, of course, this leads to, as we just said, The Karate Kid Part 2, which comes out in 1986. He gets a written by credit as well. And you start to see him get this other credit, which is characters created by. Now, yeah. remember that because mm-hmm. that's a theme. Sure. The next movie, so there's a little bit of a gap, but maybe writing these bigger movies takes time. And then we have The Karate Kid Part 3. Now, also written by characters created by. Of course, I've gone on record saying it's the weakest of the trilogy. But it's probably hard to top oneself because you and I both appreciate too. It's very different than the original Karate Kid. But I don't know. I hate to say that everyone just took a payday. I'm not sure what happened. But the magic was lessened to some degree. I think when it comes to sequels, there's the pressure to try to outdo the previous one. Right. And I guess you could say we're not always successful at doing so. You know, you're, you do your best. You want to try to be bigger, better than the last, but it may not happen. Yeah. And I think since two was such a diversion from the first one, three, they almost tried to dial it back and retell the first story in a different way with new villains. And there are some cool moments in it, but inevitably it falls short. Now, I appreciate some of the blemishes now, but... Side by side, no, it's a very weak effort. It had Karate Kid 3 been the first one, well, 
there would not be a two and three. Oh. We wouldn't be a Cobra oh. Kai show and all that we, stuff. Right? We've never visited that, Jason. Don't go there. Yeah. Don't even go there. Well, it's like Rocky Five. When Ableton came back and did Rocky Five, it yeah. was such a different thing. It doesn't really line up with the other ones. They don't even have a big fight. It's like a street brawl with Tommy Gunn, who's Tommy Morrison from Oklahoma. Shout out. I've actually seen him fight years ago. But it just wasn't the same thing. And then they made Rocky Balboa, which fit the franchise much better. Anyway, so now we move forward. Okay. Now we're into the Karate Kid animated series. Oh. 13 episodes, 1989. He gets a character created by Credit Because Al, he didn't write that crazy show. No, but you know what? When I saw this again today, <laughs> I was thinking, oh yeah, we got to watch this. And we still have not seen the Karate Kid animated series. And now I want to. Well, I watched part of the first episode on YouTube and I'll just say that it's not good. <laughs> well, was it aimed at kids? Was it? Yeah, it's, okay. it's definitely aimed at kids and the character. It's just a cartoon, you know? So take a look at YouTube. If you love that first episode, maybe I'll give it a second viewing. Okay, I'll tell you what. I will have a look at the animated series. It's been something that's long overdue. Talk about things that are long overdue, you know, honoring Robert Mark Kamen, talking about the next Karate Kid, and talking about the Karate Kid animated series, uh, something that needs to be visited. Yeah, definitely I'm going to have a look at it. Okay. So now we're into 1992, a movie called Gladiator. He got story credit and screenplay credit, directed by Rowdy Harrington, who also did Roadhouse, a fine film, I might add. Cast included James Marshall, a young Cuba Gooding Jr., and Brian Dennehy, rest in peace, always one of my favorites. Now, Sal, I saw this movie and really enjoyed it. A great little boxing movie, had an edge to it, really, really good stuff. Well, yeah, not to be confused with the Russell Crowe Gladiator movie. Not the Russell Crowe movie. That came out in 2001, Best Picture. This was a smaller movie, had an edge, but it also shows you came in, you know, martial arts, boxing, kind of a theme here. Yeah. I got to see that one. I haven't seen Gladiator. Now I want to go down Mr. Kamen's entire body of work because you know what I bet you can see? You could probably see a lot of common themes. You could probably see little nuggets in some of his movies that you now know and love in Karate Kid and Cobra Kai. So there's probably lots of cool hidden things that we're going to see when we explore more of Kamen's movies when you watch it. Yeah. If I was still working at Blockbuster, Sal, and say it was still a thing, I would have a Kamen section and all the movies would just wow. be there for you to come over and grab. Nice. Sounds good. <laughs> I yeah. love doing that. No, I like that. That's fun. Of course, I'm not going to be working at Blockbuster now, but my youth, it would have been cool. Well, you can stand by the red box and direct people. There you go. Hey, you guys heard him, Cayman? <laughs> so now we move on to The Power of One, also in 1992, screenplay credit, directed by? John G. Albertson. Yes. Yeah. The cast included Stephen Dorff, Morgan Freeman. I actually saw this a long time ago. It's like the World War II era, and a young Stephen Dorff, and he's a boxer, again, themes. And really good movie. I should probably revisit this. Okay, so next, Lethal Weapon 3. Also in 1992, screenplay credit. Sal, I'm a huge Lethal Weapon fan, and Lethal Weapon 1 and 2 are definitely the best, but hey, 3 and 4 are fun. All directed by Richard Donner, incredible director who did Superman and The Goonies. Incredible. Yeah. Of course, it starred Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Joe Pesci, but I didn't even realize that until today that he did the third one. Yeah, that's interesting because I only saw, I think, the first two. Oh. And it's kind of out of the blue. I mean, if you look at his resume, you see Lethal Weapon 3 almost out of the blue all of a sudden. Yeah, Because totally. he, this was the first time he was brought in in one of the sequels. You know, like he kind of right. came in versus being there from the beginning. Yeah. But hey, I mean, this guy's 
banging out hits. It's like, hey, can we get Cayman? Think of all the jobs he turned down. Look at a lot of the movies made around that time, and you'll probably- Exactly. Yeah, he probably was going to be attached at some point. And then he has these spurts. Now, again, you're writing all the time, and maybe you didn't write them all the same year or the year before, but you have Gladiator, The Power of One, and Lethal Weapon 3 all come out the same year. So now we go two years ahead, and Sal, this is the stepchild to the franchise, The Karate Kid, and that would be? The next Karate Kid. 1994. Now, he got the characters created by credit. So, way to go, Cayman. And it would have been better if he had. He did not write the next Karate Kid. No. No, he did not. And nor was it directed by John G. Abelson. Instead, it was directed by Christopher Kane, who also did Young Guns, which I actually like that movie. I love all the intertwining yeah. with the actors and the directors. And when you look at a filmography and you see all the roads intertwining and crisscrossing, I love that. It is. It's amazing. And of course, this movie also had Pat Morita portraying one Mr. Miyagi, as well as Hilary Swank. And again, there's a lot of talk of Hilary Swank potentially joining Cobra Kai. Still love to see it. The show's famous for bringing characters in. And although this was not one of the creations, I know that Cayman's getting characters created by, but Hilary Swank was a new character in this particular film. And I read some news, some gossip about Cobra Kai maybe having Hillary Swank on going toe-to-toe with Daniel-san. Ooh, that'd be interesting. That would be very interesting. We shall see. We shall see. So now we move on to... Now, there's a lot of movies as we go through this list. So some we're just going to quickly move through because I'm just less familiar and we want to hit some of the higher notes. So Walk in the Clouds came out in 1995, screenplay credit. I remember this movie being advertised, Sal. It was a Keanu Reeves movie. I never saw it. So yeah, not on my radar. Moving on. A bigger movie in 1997, The Fifth Element. He had screenplay credit, but he also co-wrote it with Luc Besson. Now, this is his first collaboration with the very well-known director, who also directed The Fifth Element. But of course, he did movies like The Professional, also known as Leon, I think abroad, and La Femme Nikita. And I've been a big fan of his, well, since I saw The Professional. And they would team up a lot, but this was the first collaboration. Yeah. And this began a long-standing relationship that I think they're still uh, colleagues and friends today. Yeah. And what did you say before we started recording that Cayman says about Bassan? Cayman is quoted in interviews as calling Luke Bassan a genius. So if Cayman calls Bassan a genius, I believe him. I do too. Now, of course, The Fifth Element was a big movie, big production, and it had Bruce Willis, Mila Jovovich, and Gary Oldman. Of course, Gary Oldman was in The Professional. He's incredible. If you haven't seen The Professional, and even if you have, watch it again. It's that good. Oh, yeah. Well, and also, Luke Besson ended up marrying Mila Jovovich, and they had a relationship for a while. Well, I did not know that, Sal. Oh, Thanks yeah. for dropping that on me. I remember Mila from Dazed and Confused. This is the first time I saw her, the Richard Linkletter film. Then there was Kiss of the Dragon, 2001, screenplay credit, again, co-wrote with Luc Besson. And this was based on a story by Jet Li. The movie also starred Jet Li. Then comes, Sal, I would say, what would become his second trilogy. Yeah. They created a masterpiece with Luc Besson and also put Jason Statham on the map. Yes. And that would be The Transporter, 2002, came and had written by credit along with Luc Besson. Directed by, not Besson this time, co-directed by Louis Leterrier and Corey Ewan. 
And of course, as you just said, it stars one Jason Statham. And this was one of the big breakout roles for him, right? So the fun story I read about today and found out about is that after working with Bruce Willis on The Fifth Element, and apparently Bruce Willis is notorious about being hard to work with. (laughs) I've heard this. Okay, so Luc Besson and Robert Mark Kamen got together and said, quote, we need to create our own stars. Wow. And brought on Jason Statham and built Jason Statham to who we know today. I never heard that. That's a wonderful story. (laughs) It's a funny story. Absolutely. I, I never knew that about Bruce Willis, honestly. So I asked that because it feels like that was a big vehicle for Jason Statham. However, Sal, I remember him from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, mm, the yes. Guy Ritchie movie that came out in 1998. Mm-hmm. Now, it was an ensemble piece, and he wasn't one of the main guys, but he was memorable, Yes, along with Vinnie Jones and a few others. But then it was like, I would see the posters for the transport, and I'm like, hey, he was in Lock, Stock. But now, I mean, he's a huge star and obviously continued. So next, Cayman would be part of a TV series, Black Sash. Shortly lived, came out in 2003. He had creator, story, writer credit. Don't know much more about it. But right after that, 2005, it's time for Transporter 2. Another written by credit, a character is created by credit, and also co-written by... Luc Besson. Exactly. Now, they have already got Jason Statham. He's back in it, of course. Well, then they brought the same director in, and that was... Louis Leterrier. But this time it was by himself. And just so you know something about that director, he would go on and do The Incredible Hulk, the one with Ed Norton. I know there's a lot of Incredible Hulk movies floating around, but that's the one that he did. And of course, besides Jason Statham, it starred Amber Valletta, who was kind of a big deal in Tulsa, Oklahoma. She's from Tulsa? We were in high school at the same time. She went to you know a different high school across town. But yeah, she started to get like notice and pop up and things. That was always a really big deal back home. Very neat. So, yeah, so you're right. So, look, according to their plan, Sal, they now have, as far as Cayman and Bassan, they have two hits, Transporter 1, Transporter 2. Why not make it a trilogy, Sal? But before we get there, there's a couple of other movies which we'll go over, but there was Banditas, 2006, also co-written with Bassan, directed by Joaquim Ronin and Espen Sandberg. Now, the cast included Penelope Cruz, Selma Hayek, Steve Zahn, who I love, by the way. I never saw this movie. I remember it being advertised and didn't even realize it was a Cayman and Bassan production. You're telling me that I could see Penelope Cruz and Selma Hayek on the same screen? Hello. I'm there. I never heard of this movie. I got to see it. Well, next up was a movie I saw in the theater, loved, talked about, and that was Taken. Oh, yeah. 2008. This is one of those moments where my jaw dropped because... I remember that famous line from Taken by Liam Neeson, I have a particular set of skills, and I'm telling you, I'm getting goosebumps. Those lines were quite possibly coined by Robert Mark Kamen. Really, I'm, <laughs> I'm serious. I have goosebumps. I, I'm not lying to you. Such a good movie. And yeah, I'm in the theater going, oh my God. This is, of course, we're talking about the Liam Neeson movie. Also starred Mikey Grace and Famke Jansen. But I'm in the theater going, Liam Neeson's a superhero. Or not a superhero, but like a hero. Like, oh my gosh, like he just turned a corner and then would just continue to make movies where he's the lead in this kind of film, The Grey. And of course, there's a trilogy in the works as well as we're talking about and many other movies. And of course, this was co-written again with Cayman and Bassan. 
And this time they brought in a different director, Pierre Morel, who also did The Gunman with Sean Penn. So this movie just worked on so many levels, Sal. This is absolutely true, Jason. This is, I swear to you, as God is my witness. Today, as I'm reading about Taken, I'm reading the script. I'm reading those lines by Liam Neeson. I go onto Facebook. I crack a funny joke on a friend's page, what I think is funny. The friend comes at me with a Liam Neeson Taken gif. No. I'm telling you, it was within like a two-minute time frame. Oh, my goodness. And I'm thinking, holy cow, Robert Mark Kamen is meta as hell. He is. He's so meta. (laughs) Well, he's not done for 2008, Sal, because it's time for Transporter 3. Written again by Kamen and Luc Besson. And of course, they get characters created by credit as well. Now, this time they brought in a different director. So they've gotten away from Le Terrier. And they bring in Olivier Megaton. Love that name, by the way. Now, he would also do a couple more movies, but I'll save it. I don't want to get ahead of myself. And, of course, the star Jason Statham again and completes the trilogy. So I didn't even know they were involved with this. This was huge. So he made The Karate Kid. Now, that's a long time ago now at this point in time, 2008. And this is pre-Cobra Kai. So now this is the biggest thing on his radar. Oh, and by the way, he also did Taken the same year. So Kamen was just having an enormous amount of success, though. I would definitely say that Kamen has the Midas touch. (laughs) Yeah. He has luck on his side. I mean, talent is there. Obviously, talent is there. But he's a lucky man. Yeah. I want to work with Cayman on a trilogy. Oh, Anything. So then two years later, out comes the remake of The Karate Kid. 2010, story credit. That's it. No characters as well, Sal, because it's kind of a reimagining of The Karate Kid. This Mm -hmm. one had Jackie Chan, Jaden Smith, Taraji P. Henson, and directed by... Harold Zwart, he also did Agent Cody Banks. Now, I saw it, Sal. I have not seen it since Cobra Kai has come out and there's, you know, things are just different. I saw it right after it came out on DVD. And I thought, you know, I love Jackie Chan. He's great in it. And I like that they're in China. There is some takeaways that I should probably go back and revisit and you should probably see for the first time. And hey, we should probably cover it at some point. But Cayman didn't do it. He just got paid that story credit. Whatever that's worth, Sal. Yeah, I would be genuinely curious to know and I'd love to whip out my uh, inflation calculator (laughs) and see how much he's getting in the name of residuals. Yes. So then comes Columbiana in 2011. Written by Cayman, co-written by Bassan. But directed by Olivier Megaton. What a name. Jason, what kind of name is that? <laughs> That's a great name. I don't know. It sounds I like it'd be it. like a Superman villain or something. Yeah. Olivier Megaton is here. So they like work with the same people again. It makes things fun, especially if you've had a good experience. Now, this movie I never heard of, Sal. It stars Zoe Zaldana, who's fantastic, but I don't know much about it. But it's another chance for them to team up. You know, they're just writing things and whatever they write seems to turn into gold. It gets made. They have a big cast. And then in 2012, Sal, Taken 2 comes out. Written by, based on characters created by. That's kind of a new tag. That All of a sudden, the credit has grown that way. That must be the new way writers are credited. I don't know. But that became the norm or the standard moving forward. And this is also co-written by Luc Besson. And directed by? Olivier Megaton. So yeah, they're just <laughs> printing money, making movies. Of course, this starred Liam Neeson, Maggie Grace, 
Famke Jensen again. And I saw the sequel in the theater. They got my money. I'm guilty, Jason. I've only seen Taken. I have not seen Taken 2 or Taken 3. I've only okay. been Taken once. I haven't been Taken yeah. 2 or 3 Well, times. one is the best. This, the plot was so great. But anyway, it was tons of fun. And now they go on, and then there's a transporter, the series, nine episodes, 2012 to 2014. And he gets it based on characters created by credit. Now, he had nothing to do with the show beyond that. I never even heard of the show, but it lasted two years, nine episodes. Had you seen it? I never heard of it, and I don't even know, was Jason Statham a part of it? No. No, okay, it was no, not. Never heard of it. So then Taken 3 comes out. Two years later, 2014, written by, based on characters created by, co-written with... Luc Besson. And directed by... Olivier Megaton. Of course, it starred Liam Neeson, Maggie Grace, and this time Forrest Whitaker. Now, I never saw Taken 3, but now knowing Cayman's involvement, Sal, I will be seeing Taken 3. But... Again, this is what happens. You're having fun. Studio likes to green light things. This director's working for us. I'm loving my time with Bassan. And we're just creating those characters that we love. They made Liam Neeson a hero. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. An action star. I mean, because what? Before that, what do we have? Love Actually, right? Yeah, exactly. When he'd been in lots of movies, don't get me sure. wrong. He was yeah. in the incredible Steven Spielberg film, Schindler's List. He was in, of course, Love Actually, like you just said, Michael Collins, lots of movies, but he wasn't the action hero just yet. These guys did it, and it worked. So then the Transporter Refueled comes out in 2015, and he gets a characters created by credit with Luke Besson. It was almost like a spinoff uh-huh. of the movie. I never heard of it, and I'm not sure it went anywhere, but it was a payday. Yeah. And then came Enter the Warrior's Gate 2016, written by and, of course, co-wrote with Luke Besson. Hadn't heard of that one either. No, never heard of that. It sounds like an old Bruce Lee movie or something. It does. I love going on these deep dives because so much comes into your vision you never saw before, you never heard of it before. Now there's all this new stuff that came and is affiliated with that I got to see. Exactly. Now this, I did look up the trailer and it's very martial arts driven film. Looks pretty cool. The visuals, he wrote it. I don't know much more about it, but yeah, exactly. It's all the more reason to do a deep dive when you're scrolling through Netflix or Amazon Prime and trying to decide what to watch. You have this hit list. And of course, then this leads to taking the TV series, Sal, 26 episodes, 2017 through 2018. He had based on characters created by credit. Now this was not Liam Neeson. This was a TV show, and it starred Clive Standen, Jennifer Beals from Flashdance, and Adam Goldberg, who I also really like, was also in Dazed and Confused. Never heard of this, Al, but it lasted two years, Taken TV series. You? No, never heard of this TV series. No, not at all. Then this leads to a bigger movie, Angel Has Fallen, 2019, screenplay by, directed by Rick Roman Waugh, also did Shot Collar, which I really liked. And this starred Gerard Butler and Morgan Freeman. And it was about someone trying to assassinate the president, which was played by Freeman, which was the first time I believe he's played the president in a movie. But this is a big movie, Sal. And hey, if you got Cayman on board, maybe it was a hit. Now, I didn't see it, but have you seen it? Well, first of all, I love Gerard Butler from Phantom of the Opera. You know, he wasn't a trained singer, but he really did a great job in the Phantom of the Opera movie. But as far as Angel Has Fallen, this is part of that series, the Has Fallen series that began with Olympus Has Fallen, I believe. And unfortunately, no, I have not seen any of them. So, Sal, I didn't realize that Angel Has Fallen was part of the Olympus Has Fallen, London Has Fallen 
franchise. So again, much like Lethal Weapon 3 came and kind of joined a pre-existing franchise. Yeah, because Robert Mark Kamen, we learn, is what I would call a writer's writer. Because yeah. he will not only write his own scripts and credited for his own scripts, but he will come in as what I like to call cleanup crew. He'll come in and tighten up other scripts. Like a script doctor. Yes, exactly. He'll revise people's scripts, sometimes uncredited. So he is what definitely what I would call a writer's writer. Yeah. So anyway, I haven't seen it. I maybe should watch some of The House Fallens. I just have not been on my radar, but perhaps this one, the one in 2019, I would give a watch. So of course, Sal, this brings us all the way full circle to Cobra Kai TV series. Yes, back home. Back home. 30 episodes and running, 2018 through 2021, and still going, let's hope. Now, Cayman gets based on characters created by credit, and let's give the creators of Cobra Kai their credit as well. Go ahead. Josh Heald, John Hurwitz, and Hayden Schlossberg. Kudos, fellas. Kudos indeed. Now, what they didn't do, Sal, is they didn't try to get as far as we know, or didn't get, Cayman to come on board. You know, it's probably hard to kind of come back and they were bringing new life and vision into it. But hey, we would not be here without the great work of Robert Mark Kamen. And it does come full circle. And Sal, as we said on a recent episode, many spinoffs are floating out there. So Kamen's work could reach even further. Well, I read an interview with Kamen and he gives lots of props to Heald, Hurwitz, and Schlossberg. Oh, sure. Uh, he marvels at what they've done. Yeah. With his story, all the takes and turns they've gone with it. He, he is impressed. Yeah, why wouldn't he be? They make great decisions. They honor the original. And they're not off making the next Karate Kid. So yeah, if I'm <laughs> Cayman, I'm like, these guys, we're in good hands. And he just sits back and just sees them live on. So amazing. I love to hear that. I definitely read some things as well. And you know that he hopes this happens with other franchises of his. You know, like, hey, can that next Taken TV series like hit their stride and go for many, many seasons or the next Transporter TV series? But I have no idea what Cayman's doing now as far as movies or writing. I know he's in his early 70s. Obviously, he's not doing it for the money. But what an incredible filmography. Even if he does nothing else, Sal, people would die to have just a fraction of these credits. You know, I know the name because of The Karate Kid, but I did not know the extensiveness of his resume. I didn't know how far-reaching his talents have gone. I had no idea until just today. Yeah, it's amazing. And so I'd like to hit a few trivia points, if I could, just because I came across them in my findings. And you might have some as well, I take it. You have a big secret coming. I learned something today which absolutely <laughs> floored me, and I hope it floors you, and I hope oh. it floors our listeners, because I'm telling you, I was besides myself when I learned this today. All right, so small trivia, not very much. Now, Robert Mark Kamen used his daughter Alessandra's nickname, Allie, for the role of Elizabeth Shue in The Karate Kid. Nice. So Alessandra gets to live today saying that a character in The Karate Kid and now Cobra Kai named after her. Very neat. Yeah, very neat. And a great name. Always loved it. Uh, very memorable. And uh, yeah, so that's where that came from. Now, also, there was a couple of credits that we didn't mention because a lot of times it happens in Hollywood, Sal, so you're uncredited for something. Sure. Like 
either someone was in something or quite often writers don't get credit, which is just ridiculous. So Kamen rewrote The Punisher, 1989, the Dolph Lundgren film. It was also Kamen's feature producing debut, but he would not do that again, and he was uncredited for that. For whatever reason, sometimes there's a contract with the original writer, you bring in somebody, but they don't get credit. I still don't understand that, Sal, but it happens to this day. Yeah, well, it seems when you follow his career, Mr. Kamen is interested in writing, and that's about it. He doesn't seem like he's trying to direct. It doesn't seem like he's trying to produce much. He is a writer, and he wants to write. And then next, I actually heard about this quite often, so... He helped write the screenplay for The Devil's Own, the 1997 film starring Brad Pitt and Harrison Ford, but due to numerous disagreements and rewrites, he did not receive a screenwriting credit. So in a Newsweek article, Brad Pitt stood by Kamen's original screenplay. And so I read and heard a lot about this. I was actually working at a movie theater at the time that The Devil's Own came out and saw it and thought, yeah, it's just a little misguided, kind of clunky, but there was much contention on the set. Brad Pitt wanted it one way, Harrison Ford wanted it another way. I had no idea that Cayman was behind all of that. Yeah, I never even heard of the movie, but I, 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 <laughs> I'd love to see it, though. I mean, it sounds great. Brad Pitt and Harrison Ford, written by Cayman. Uh, I'm on board. I want to see it. Well, had they done Cayman's screenplay, it would have been much better. Mm, yeah. The last one I have before you get into your mic drop. In 1980, after being paid $135,000 for his first screenplay, which was never produced, which you kind of hinted at earlier, Kamen used the check to buy 280 acres of rocky land on Mount Veter in Sonoma County, California. Today, his Cayman Estates Wines Vineyard produces limited quantities of high-quality Cabernet Sauvignon and Syrah wines. He is living the life. Robert Mark Kamen is living on a vineyard, writing. I mean, he's living the life. He's like Coppola. Yeah, Coppola making wine too, exactly, yeah. So what's your big job? Okay, so what I learned today, and I I read this in two different interviews, because the first time I read it, I thought, no way. Second time (laughs) I read it, I thought, I guess this is legitimate. Straight out of Robert Mark Kamen's mouth, only delayed by COVID, there is a Karate Kid musical Set to be a Broadway production. Yes, indeed, folks. The Karate Kid on Broadway coming soon. (laughs) Oh, my God. God. Is he involved with it? He wrote it. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait. I'm telling you, I almost fell out of my chair when I read this. First of all, I love musicals, as I referenced uh, Gerard Butler in The Phantom of the Opera. The Karate Kid musical. I cannot believe this. I cannot wait. Why not? That's going to (laughs) be incredible. I can't wait to see who they cast. (laughs) It's amazing. I can't wait to see it. So yeah, COVID got in the way. It would probably be on Broadway as we speak. But yeah, it's coming, folks. Get ready. The Karate Kid musical. I'm telling you, you can research this. Don't take our word for it. Look it up yourself. Robert Mark Kamen is quoted as saying, Karate Kid musical on Broadway coming soon. So that really begs the question, Sal, because after Cobra Kai's come out and we've seen a new Johnny emerge and also we look at the past very differently, will this musical take the original film's storyline and, you know, Daniel was picked on and bullied and... Johnny's the bad guy, or will it be a hybrid? Or I'm really anxious to see how they take it. 
I'm going to assume it's just going to be the original Karate Kid movie adapted for a musical. I'm not expecting yeah. the storyline to be different. I don't think he's going to flip the script necessarily no, uh, for the original not. movie. I think he's going to hold true to that. So we're going to see Daniel singing. We're going to be seeing Miyagi Mr. singing. Miyagi. Holy cow. I, I'm telling you, I cannot wait. And Jason, the first time I hear about this, the first press release I see, I'm letting you know. Yeah, we're going to cover that for sure. You know, if it's a success, and it seems like it would be, maybe they'll do part two and then we could bring in Sato. Uh, <laughs> I love doing Sato. Miyagi, come out. <laughs> oh, well, anyway, this has been so much fun to do a deep dive on the very talented, prolific screenwriter, Robert Mark Kamen. Learned some things today that I didn't know already. I have more on my hit list of things to watch. And now you have really set the stage for the next thing I'm looking for from Mr. Kamen is this musical. So, And if he's involved and you said he wrote it, it's sure to be a success. I can't wait. And in the meantime, I will be on the lookout for Kamen Vineyards. I got to try his wine now. Yeah, I think you and I should definitely try his wine. Jason, if Lady Luck is on our side, we will have Robert Mark Kamen on as a special guest on Let's Talk Cobra Kai. As you said on a previous episode, from your lips to God's ears. Oh, I can't Let's wait. hope this comes true. No, I'm telling you, I mean, I can't believe just now I'm becoming a bigger Kamen fan just today. Yeah. It doesn't even seem possible, but it is. Yeah, I'm telling you, I, I learned so much, especially the musical, his involvement with Taken. I had no idea. <laughs> I just hadn't researched, you know, unfortunately writers are taken for granted. It's not like TV, you know, in TV, it's all about the writers. In the movies, it's all about the directors. So unfortunately, even though we love Alvinson, we kind of gave him a front of the line pass over Cayman. We will visit Alvinson, I believe, at some point and oh, his career absolutely. and his legacy. Yes. But no, I'm very excited to be here today talking about Robert Mark Cayman. My pleasure. Absolutely. So go watch Taps. That's your homework. I will see Taps. I do want to see that. So thank you so much for listening, and please be sure to subscribe to Let's Talk Cobra Kai wherever you get your podcast. You can also really help us by giving the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And for all you listeners that enjoy sharing your thoughts, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, send us a direct message, or post a comment on our social media, which is at Let's Talk Cobra Kai, as well as at Just Curious Media. If you're a dedicated listener of Let's Talk Cobra Kai, consider supporting the show on Patreon. This greatly benefits us on many fronts and offers you access to exclusive content and much more. We also highly recommend checking out our other podcast and visiting JustCuriousMedia.com. No mercy.